Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 314. Today is June 30th, 2020. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, in this episode, I want to give you a quick market update and to interject some commentary as to why I've been very cautious with my trading over the past couple months. Before we get into that, I do want to mention that coming up in just a few days is the sixth anniversary of the Wellsteading Podcast. So make sure you look for an upcoming episode around July 4th or so when I'll do an episode that reviews the 10 wealth building principles that you know started this whole podcast. And I haven't solidified yet exactly what we'll cover in that episode, but I'm sure that I'll digress into a topic that you won't want to miss. So definitely plan to tune into that anniversary episode. Now, as far as market conditions, I haven't had a lot to say over the last month or so. I have been doing the blog alert updates over at investablewealth.com, but I've been fairly silent on the podcast because, you know, I'm really calling this conditions that we're in in the marketplace a flip the coin mode as far as forecasting is, is uh, determinant. You know, you'll often hear me say that I can't predict the future. Hey, incidentally, let me digress here a second. I normally say that I don't have a crystal ball and I can't predict the future. Well, because of a good friend of the podcast and a long-term listener, I can no longer use that statement, and in an upcoming YouTube episode, you'll find out why. But from now on going forward, I'll be truncating my uh, disclaimer to probably just say that I can't predict the future. But in any case, listen, over the last few months, the ability to forecast the future has been even more random because we are literally in a 50-50 type market. Although volatility has come down from historically unprecedented levels, on a daily basis, the S&P 500 is still back up to a VIX of around, you know, 30, 35. That means that the price action on the major indexes can be moving from, you know, a daily or a weekly variance of anywhere to 1% to 5%. And while it's always impossible to predict short-term movements in the market, this extreme volatility that we've been experiencing has just added further complexity and chaos to short-term movements in the market. Now, I know a lot of people are trading this, and you're hearing all about people that are making all kinds of money uh, trading over at Robinhood and different types of platforms. But I personally believe as a long-term investor and someone that's interested in not only building my wealth, but more importantly, preserving the wealth that I already have, that I don't want to take undue risks. And with the VIX at such high levels, and in my opinion, for now, the upside potential being capped and much more limited than the short-term downside potential, I think it's prudent to take a pause, to not chase all the headline news, and to wait and see where things shake out. Now, if you've been following my blog over at investablewealth.com, you know that over the past, oh, I don't know, eight or nine weeks or so, I've been selling some positions, taking some profits, and raising my level of cash. And the reason I've been doing that is because the market is staggering along right now, where it's no longer at a discounted level. And while I don't believe that the market is necessarily overvalued, I definitely don't believe that the market is discounted or currently trading at bargain prices. And so for now, I'm taking the prudent position where I want to have some cash reserves so that should we get a pullback this summer or even sometime between the summer and the November presidential elections, then I want to have cash on hand where I can buy the dip and at that point, pick up some quality stocks that are on sale. 
Today over at investablewealth.com, I posted a chart that shows how quickly market conditions collapsed in early March. And along with that chart, I superimposed where we're at right now with the current recovery and with the economy reopening from the COVID hysteria. And the S&P 500 is right back exactly at that level where we were at in early March. It's there not only from the nominal value of its price range, which is today trading around 3070 or 3080, but it's also there from the relationship of the S&P to its 200-day moving average. And my point in showing that chart is not to predict that we're headed for a downturn, but simply to show the risk associated that if investor sentiment should start to degrade, then prices could collapse rapidly. And if you think back to March and you look at that chart, you'll see that from March 4th, going forward just two weeks, the S&P 500 lost more than 28% of its value. Now, I have no way of knowing if we'll go back and retest those lows of March. And in a lot of ways, as the markets have recovered and stabilized, I think it becomes less and less probable that we'll drop down that low. But it would take just a small amount of negative investor sentiment to drop this market 10% or more. And if that were to occur, I wouldn't be panicking. In fact, just the opposite. I'd most likely be seeing that as a buying opportunity, and I'd probably jump into the market with both feet, gobbling up stocks that are on my watch list. So what I'm saying here is that with the S&P 500 range bound, where over the last you know, six weeks or so, we've had a downside of around 3,000 on the S&P 500 and an upside of about 3,200, I haven't seen this as a buying opportunity. Yes, I'm holding my main positions, but I have a lot of cash. And if the market were to dip down and we saw that 10% or more decline, which would put the S&P 500 you know, somewhere in that 2,700, 2,800 range, then at those levels or below, I think we move to where the risk-reward becomes much more tilted to better valuations and better buying opportunities. And so I guess in short, I'm just saying I'm keeping my powder dry. And if we do get a pullback between now and November, I want to have some cash on hand to buy that opportunity. So as far as my long-term forecast on the stock market, I remain optimistic. I think things are going to be just fine through at least 2022. And again, at these levels, you know, if you were owning or buying into the S&P 500 when we're right now around this 200-day moving average, you know, around 3,000, 3,100 or so in the S&P 500, I think that the likelihood of a long-term position out into, you know, 2022 means that these assets will appreciate, you'll be collecting a dividend, and your stocks will be worth more then than they are now. I'm not one of the people that's calling for an economic collapse. I don't think the market's going to fall apart long term, nor do I think that there's any danger in owning quality U.S. companies as long as your time horizon is out a couple years. And so as an example, if you remember a few weeks ago, I guess it's been maybe a month ago, I purchased a position in Tyson Foods. Now this is at a time when a few of their meat processing or chicken processing factories in the Midwest had gotten shut down because workers came down with COVID-19. There was all kinds of negative news in the media about the company, but I looked at the solid fundamentals of the company. I looked at how profitable they have been in the past and how likely they will be in the future. And my assessment of the situation was that although things could get worse in the short term, that over the long term, I felt that Tyson's Food was a well-managed company 
and was positioned with a business model where they could continue to make money into the future. And when I looked at the stock price and how much it had been discounted, at the time I purchased, I think it was down well over 60% from its recent all-time high that hit in you know January or February this year. And so I felt Tyson Foods was at a good buy point. I didn't know that it wouldn't go down further the day after I bought it, nor did I know if it would bounce up you know, 80% a week after I bought it. I wasn't chasing the momentum. I was simply looking for an investment opportunity that carried manageable risks. And so I invest in a company like Tyson Foods, not that I expect them to quadruple in value over the next day or two like you might see in some of these momentum stocks, but so that over time, my money will grow and appreciate with minimal risk. So let's look at Tyson Foods. I think that someday it's extremely likely that it'll get back to the high that it put in earlier this year. Now, I think it's unlikely that it's going to get there next month, but let's just say it takes three years to get there. Let's just say that I have a lot of patience and I hold on to that stock. And once all the drama and uncertainty and hysteria of the COVID virus goes away, and people get back to living their lives as they had before, and once things are all stable, let's say it's three years into the future that it takes that long for the price to get back to where it was just a few months ago. Well, if it does that, based on the price that I bought into that stock, that means that my money on an annual basis would have appreciated at over 20% a year. That's a phenomenal rate of return. And if you can capture that type of a rate of return by taking minimal risk, by investing in a solid, well-run, quality, blue-chip American company, then I believe that that method of investing eliminates the day-to-day uncertainty of the market. And so while people that are fearful to invest in the stock market because they see the crazy price vacillations from day-to-day or week-to-week, if you can invest in good quality companies and purchase them when they're at a reasonable price valuation, and if your investment window, your horizon for investment is a year or two or three years down the road, then you've drastically minimized the risk, you've drastically minimized the uncertainty, and you're almost assured that your wealth is going to continue to build and grow. Now, the key to all this is that you're not getting rich quick overnight. What you're going to do is take a conservative, long-term approach and not day trade the market, but swing trade the market. When I talk about swing trading, my definition of that is actively buying and selling into the market. That might mean that you hold a position for a few weeks, a few months, or maybe a few years. You're not slavishly just passively investing, buying into an index like the S&P 500 and then just holding it forever. When I talk about swing trading, I don't delude myself into thinking that I can perfectly time the market where I'm going to buy at the bottom of every base and sell at the peak of every top. I've never been able to do that. I've always traded somewhere in the middle, but if you do that consistently, and if you make wise investment choices, then over time, your money will double and triple and quadruple. It just won't happen overnight. But as long as you're a diligent saver, and you're continuing to move in and out of the market, trying to build and preserve your wealth, then you'll find yourself in a situation where you have created a great deal of wealth and built it over the long term. The other key thing to remember here is, you know, I mentioned that I purchased Tyson Foods, but I didn't put all my money into that one stock. 
Because while I believe that over six months, a year or two years or whatever it's going to take, that that stock is going to continue to grow and the price will appreciate. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll fall apart. Maybe it'll go to zero or maybe it'll just stay where it's at and stagnate for time eternal. Maybe my analysis was wrong. And if that's the case, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. And that's why I'm going to diversify my portfolio. I'm not going to put all my money or a large percentage of my money into any one stock or any one sector of the economy. I want to be holding 20, 30, maybe 50 different stocks. That way, if I'm holding 20 positions, that would mean that no more than 5% of my money is invested in any one position. And if I have as many as 50 different stocks, that would mean that no more than 2% of the value of my portfolio is invested in any one position. So you not only want to look at finding the right price on a good quality company, but you also want to make sure that you have broad diversification across your portfolio. Let me, let me finish up with one story. I don't know if it's, it may, may have been a while since I've told this. And it really speaks to why I'm being so cautious right now with the volatility and the VIX, you know, up at 30 times and just being so unprecedented in the uncertainty of what's going on. And again, I want to preface this with, I think this whole COVID hysteria is nothing more than hysteria. Now, again, I'm sorry for the people that have died. I know on a personal basis, it's a large, huge tragedy to many families. But the impact of the COVID virus itself has never been anything that's worried me from a long-term perspective. What I'm worried about is the government intervention and the arbitrary policy decisions that we see that come from favoring one company over another or one sector of the economy over the other. And this arbitrariness interjects much more uncertainty than the virus itself does. That puts investors on edge, and as a result, you get these bubbles that appear, which are based on extreme, literally off-the-chart levels of investor fear and greed, which simultaneously are taking place right now. And so when I see this much uncertainty and this much volatility, I want to move forward cautiously. And this takes me back all the way to 2008 and how I handled that particular financial crisis. In 2008, I was just managing my own money. I was just an individual investor. I, I wasn't a professional money manager at that point. So I was just responsible for my own portfolios, and my level of wealth back then was a, a fraction of what it is today. But I did manage my portfolio on an active basis, and as we moved into 2008, I could see the storm clouds on the horizon, and Late in 2007 or early 2008, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I went into all cash. And I did this not because I was prescient and I was able to predict the future, but simply because I lived in an area where I was already seeing a huge increase in the number of foreclosures on a new homes. So the, the subdivision I lived in had really been booming from around 2000 when I moved in and by 2005, 2006, I was just seeing a large number of people going into foreclosure. And as interest rates kept going up, the people that were on adjustable rate mortgages, more and more they were missing their monthly mortgage payments and they were eventually defaulting on their loans. I rationalized that if that was happening in my neighborhood, it was likely happening all over the country. And so that was one of the key reasons that in early 2008, I had gone into you know, strictly a cash position. But you know what? The market didn't just overnight collapse in early 2008. I mean, it had started to come down from its peak, 
but it also was making a lot of recovery moves. So much so that I think it was in early June, the market was in what I call a hook and bar pattern. It looked like it was in some kind of a relief rally. And you know whether that was short term or long term, I didn't know. But it looked to me like the market was breaking out and likely that we could get a summertime rally. And since I had sat out of the market, you know, these previous five or six months, and I hadn't made any money that year, I became concerned and I wanted to jump in and swing trade the market. And so I took 100% of my money. I bought SPY, which is the S&P 500 index. As I just said, I don't believe in concentrated positions. I believe in diversifying. The one exception I would say there is that I do believe in putting 100% of your money in the S&P 500 because although that's one position, you are diversified across many, many companies. And I know that it's cap weighted and you do have more of your money, you know, currently now in high tech and the FANG type stocks. But bottom line, the S&P 500 and in particular SPY, that ETF, it does give you broad general diversification. And so I took all my money, as I say, sometime maybe early, mid-June, put it all into SPY, thinking that I could make a short-term gain in my money. You know, maybe even if the market just went up 5 or 6% over the coming weeks, I could swing trade that position, I'd sell it, I'd go back to cash. That way I could have earned enough money that year to, you know, keep up with inflation and I could sit the rest of the year out and just wait to see what happened with the economy. That was my intentions. It didn't work out that way. You know, once I bought into the market, that recovery started to fizzle and, you know, the next day or the next week, my position was down and then the next day it was down more and the next day it was down more and I kept holding that position because I kept saying, you know, it, it can't go any lower. It'll stabilize around the 50 or 200 day moving average and it'll recover and when I get my money back, I'll just sell out of that position and I'll go back to cash and then I'll wait and see what happens with the economy. Well, you know, over the coming weeks and months, the market didn't recover. It kept going down, and I don't remember how long it was, but maybe it was sometime into August, late August, I had lost 18% of my portfolio. I was furious. Remember, I was going in for just a quick swing trade. I was going to trade for a week or so, maybe a month, make a few percent, get out, lock in my profits, and bide my time and wait and see what happened with the economy. I took a stupid risk to make a few percent of my money and I ended up losing 18%. But at that point, I knew there was no hope. I knew things were going to get worse. I say I knew. I didn't know. I used logical, rational evaluation of the economy and came up with a conclusion that things were going to continue to get worse. And so I sold my position. I took the 18% loss, and I sat in cash until early March of 2009. At that point, again, because of my diligent study, my analysis of the economy, and of course, some good luck, I started to move back into the market. Well, that logic proved accurate, and it didn't take long for me to make up that 18% that I'd lost earlier the previous year. And in fact, the market was really at the beginning of a bull run and went up nearly in a straight line until around 2011 or so. And so by moving back into the market at that time, I was not only to make up what I lost, but I was also able to greatly increase my overall portfolio. I tell you that story because right now, I don't think we're in as drastic as an economic situation as we were in 2008. In fact, I don't think we're anywhere near that. But from a risk-reward standpoint, I think the analogy holds. 
I think that right now you can jump into the market and try and make two or three or five or 10%. And I'm talking about the broad economy. Again, I'm not talking about investing in these momentum stocks. But if you just want to jump in and buy the S&P 500 or buy broad market leadership, you know, good quality U.S. blue chip type companies, I think there's definitely an upside and you could easily make three, five, 10% on your money. But on the other hand, with volatility being as high as it is and the extreme uncertainty that we're seeing with the initial impact of the coronavirus, the threats of what's going on with the reopening, what's likely to happen if we get a second wave of infections, which would occur not now, but later in the year when we get into like the flu season during the fall and winter months. And then the overall uncertainty of the political situation with not only what's happening with the presidential election in November, but also the fact that the Senate could also flip in terms of leadership. And then also considering the geopolitical situation with the deteriorating relationship that's happening between the U.S. and China right now. I think that you have so much uncertainty involved with all that over the next few months that the downside of the market could be significantly more than the upside of the market. That's why I say that this market is, you know, a 50-50 flip a coin forecast on a day-to-day as to whether the market is going to go up or go down. I think it's prudent to have definitely some money in good quality stocks in the stock market in case we get appreciation. But at the same time, I think it's prudent to have a nice, sizable cash reserve sitting on the sidelines that if we do get a dip over these coming weeks or months, that you can buy at favorable prices and to almost be assured that at that point, you'll buy in to some good, solid, long-term profitability. Ha, <laughs> but I digress. Well, hey, that's my thoughts. Please come back to hear the next episode where we'll celebrate the sixth anniversary of the Wellsteading Podcast. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.